On this edition of Across College Lacrosse, it's another pro lacrosse episode, everybody. I hope you're enthused, and we have a friend. What's up, guys? Dan Arestia here. Yep, we have our good pro lacrosse friend, Dan Arestia. He's been keeping track of the PLL stuff ever since uh, we first heard about it back in September. Uh, but we're not talking about the PLL, really. We're talking about MLL. We had a friend on, Sandy Brown, commissioner of the MLL, on to discuss what what went on with the MLL and their changes ahead, uh, what they've been doing for the summer and the fall. A lot of good stuff there, and we hope you enjoyed it. It's another edition of Across College Lacrosse. What? Hey, hey, welcome everybody yep. to episode number 32 of Across College Across. I am your host, Chris Ostramski, as I mentioned. In the open, I am joined by College Crosses and Inside Lacrosses. Our pro guy, Dan Arestia. Dan, we appreciate you joining us for this uh, this fun little episode. Yeah, this is great. I'm pumped about this one. You know, I uh, obviously, like you said, college, college cross, I do stuff inside lacrosse. I do stuff. That's all at the college level. But I love the pro game, which is why I was particularly excited about this podcast today. So we'll be with Sandy Brown in just a little bit. We want to at least get the word out on our content on collegecross.com schedules. It is November. We are under three months away. Until the start of the D1 lacrosse season, which will be Vermont, Utah, in Utah on Friday, February the 1st. Cannot wait for that. I believe I'm going to be out there for that. Still working on travel arrangements, uh, but there should be some content out there as well to take off for that. So I am good to go for that. Um, but yeah, schedules are coming out. Uh, Yale had their schedule come out recently. We posted that on collegecross.com. Brown. Penn State, Villanova, High Point just released their schedule. We also saw on that schedule that they didn't mention Air Force as a SOCON opponent, which is a little bit strange uh, because that didn't seem like that was going to be the case this year. VMI has him as a SOCON opponent. High Point does not. Is that an error? Hmm. (laughs) Is Air Force in the SOCON? You'll find out. Well, we'll probably find out, uh, but it's something that is, it caught my eye. I mean, the schedule did caught my eye too. They're playing St. Bonaventure. It sounds like high point will be St. Bonaventure's first opponent on February the 2nd. Yeah. Uh, that game will be at high point university. So in two days, we'll have two debuts with Utah and then St. Bonaventure on the road. And then we, we have to figure out what it's up with the air force. Uh, but I did hear that this year would maybe be the last year for the Air Force and the SOCON. Uh, they would be an independent later on. It just wouldn't be it. There were a lot of logistic problems there, and the SOCON can't afford that because they have eight teams currently. You take off Air Force at seven. That doesn't seem to be a problem there, but it definitely hurts. Pr- after after what happened last year with that whole incident, you didn't want to have this happen. But I guess that happened, and it's not that good. Um, yeah, that's a tough break for that program. That's just, you know, that last year was just essentially a lost season as they tried to sort through that whole mess. And now, you know, who knows what's happening then with their conference standing. You just you just want them to, to get it all figured out so they can just get their program moving forward. And we were discussing before we had Sandy Brown on, uh, do we see another Western Lacrosse League come up? You have Utah there. Yeah. You have Air Force. Those are two independents. You also have, you know... Not that far west as those two, but you have Cleveland State, who's an independent. You know, I would think they're more suited for a conference like the MAC or something like that. But, you know, the MAC might be a little bit too much. You also have Denver out in the Big East, but the Big East has six teams currently. If you lose them, that's a that's a, another loss of an yeah. auto bid. I don't think you're going to have a hard time prying Denver out of the Big East, I think. And even still, then you have four teams. Bellarmine, yeah. maybe, but, you know, that kind of what's would be on a hanging on a thread for that with uh with the SOCON going to six teams. So I, I can smell uh conference conference uh realignment 
And especially in the NEC, because we have 10 teams now in the NEC. Yeah, by my count, I think three more teams joined the NEC since this phone call started. So I believe so. Um, but I have heard that, that there are two affiliate members, well, two other affiliate members other than NJIT, St. Joe's and Hobart. Uh, I have heard from a few sources that expect an 8-10 lacrosse conference sooner rather than later. St. Jones would be obviously one of those teams involved, uh, but I have heard some rumors that, you know, those two teams, those affiliate members could be kicked out, um, but maybe you have something with, you know, St. Joe's and Hobart start something. Then you have St. Bonaventure, who's in the MAC currently. I don't know what that situation is. You have UMass. You have, I believe, Richmond's in the A-10, if I'm correct. Um, but who knows if they want to go to the SoCon. Or, I mean, get out of yeah. the SoCon. Get out of the SoCon. Um, but you still would be enough with that. So I think I, I think we are in another, about to be reaching another stage of conference realignment in college lacrosse. It might take a little bit more time, but I think the NAC's moved to be adding some of these schools and primarily adding two schools that went from Division Two to Division One. Merrimack and soon to be LIU, Long Island University, previously LIU yeah. Post. Well, they'll be LIU Brooklyn Post this up. year. Uh, it says a lot about, you know, what that says about the NEC, and I think they're bracing for something. NJIT needed a conference, um, and I think they were planning on that for a little bit of time. I thought that might have yeah. been a little bit of a. And they were talking to me about, you know, the NEC is the perfect conference for them. They don't want to go to the SOCON. I know NGIT is a part of the Atlantic Sun, but it just doesn't help with them with all these teams down south. Geographically, uh, the NEC is perfect for a team like NGIT with a lot of these small schools. Wagner's nearby. You have a few others. Uh, Bryant as well. Yeah. So I th- it's a perfect match for them. Um, and then even LIU later next year. Perfect. That's all you need. And even just go up the road a little bit more north and it's Merrimack. So, yeah. Fun times in college lacrosse. We have the new rules as well. Uh, but a lot of these teams, as I said, November, December are kind of a layback period. And then we'll have a lot of schedules come out. We'll have some previews starting to come out. We'll see about that with our site. Uh, January will, be, January will be spring practices. We'll have some scrimmages start up, and then the regular season starts up in February, the first day of February. We all waited for this. It's the biggest event in this biggest sports event in February, the first <laughs> Vermont, Utah. Unless the Eagles play in the Super Bowl, then that changes a lot of things. Yeah, I don't think my Giants are making it this year. Nope. But here we go, lacrosse spring sport. You you think we're going to be playing in snow February second? Vermont and Utah. I would not be shocked. That's got to be a snow game, right? It'll be a snow game. I would. I can't sh- wait for the the hashtag spring sport all over Twitter It'll with the back. snow pics. Yep. <laughs> the Utah Utes all, and they're all white in uh, white snow. But you know, I guess these two teams would be built for it because Vermont loves it. Vermont's used to it. Yeah, they're in Vermont, yeah. and they haven't. I, I believe they've been. They practice. They play outdoors. They don't have an indoor facility. I, I don't think so. They're used to playing in the snow. Utah. Different story, but you're in the Rocky Mountains or close by to the Rocky Mountains, so I guess you're supposed to be just to deal with the <laughs> with the snow up there. Yeah, it shouldn't be taking you by surprise here in Utah. Absolutely not. Um, even with Denver too and the Air Force, those those big yeah. Western areas. Uh, but let's get to team. our let's get to our uh, big big thing on our show. It is Commissioner Sandy Brown, and he talked to us about the MLL and their rebranding efforts and what they've been going through since September with their salary increase, adding two more games, and what he expects to come out of the MLL in 2019. So without further ado, Mr. Sandy Brown on Across College Lacrosse. And joining us on the line right now is the Commissioner of Major League Lacrosse, Mr. Sandy Brown and Sandy, thank you so much for taking some of your time out and talking about what the MLL has done so far this summer and fall. Happy to be here. Uh, Sandy, this is uh, Dan Arestia. Again, thank you for, for joining us tonight and for giving us some of your time. Uh, if we could, we, you know, we want to start just by talking about um, where the MLL is right now and the changes we've seen to you know, this offseason up until this point. Uh, you know, we've seen stuff about the salary cap increases and the roster size and the 
and the additional player slot or the additional games as well. Can you just kind of maybe just bring people up to speed a little bit about what's happened so far, uh, changes from last season to this season? Well, obviously, uh, these changes are a function of a lot of conversations that uh, I had when I took the job, uh, or I should say shortly after I took the job. Um, you know, as you can imagine, when you step into a role like this, there are obviously a lot of opinions, <laughs> and um, uh, and a lot. There's obviously a lot of history here. Um, I've always felt very strongly that um, our players should be compensated more. As a matter of fact, I was uh, pretty upfront with with all the players about this when I spoke to them during training camp, um, and. Um, yeah, that was that was a, a big initiative from my standpoint, and I um, was gratified that we were able to get get that done. I also have been pretty consistent in the fact that we can't operate as a four-month-a-year league. We need to be a 12-month-a-year league, and that means that we need uh, more. Um, uh, we need more more content. We need more activation. We need to create more impressions, more touch points for our fans, uh, and our partners, um, and our players during the course of the season, uh, and I should say outside of the season in particular, um, you know, just like any other professional league. And so we've got to you know, create those opportunities along the way, and I think we've, we've started to do that. Thirdly, um, you know, we wanted to really improve the quality of the staff around the league. You know, a number of our team presidents come out of the NBA or Major League Baseball, and we're doing the same in, at the league office in, in terms of upgrading the quality of our staff, uh, you know, that's got the, you know, the requisite experience necessary to be able to take this league to the next level. So, look, these are all things that were encapsulated in the three-year plan that you guys heard about, um, you know, that we presented back in August, and and we're executing on that plan, and, and we'll, you know, continue to do so. And now as part of that salary cap increase, has the league minimum gone up for players as well? Uh, the league minimum has gone up as has the league maximum. But, you know, listen, we, we, we maintain the salary cap. Um, we also have the flexibility to do other things um, in terms of being able to work with our players with respect to marketing and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, there, there are a lot of ways that, uh, you know, we can continue to add value to, uh, to our players. And I think that takes us kind of into the, the next thing we wanted to talk to you about, which was the rebrand now that the MLL is starting to undergo. You're talking about, uh, we've heard of, you know, there's going to be a new logo, a new website. You know, have the uh, have the players, I know I saw a little bit on social media today, you guys had some players in the office there talking about it. What's player feedback been like on the idea of a rebrand? And, and what input have those players had, you know, into what they specifically want to see as far as the rebrand goes? Well, listen, I mean, as you guys know, this has never been done before. First place, we've never done a rebrand. Secondly, our players have never been brought into the tent. And that's and and that's you know that's the antithesis of what I've been trying to do. I want these guys involved. I want their feedback. I want their opinions. Um, um, you know, this is just as much their league as anybody else's. So they should have that the ability to weigh in. And so that's what Kerry Gamper, is our head of marketing, uh, did uh, with our guys uh, last week. But we had four pitches. Um, we threw out a bunch of different options. I've been down this road before uh, with ESPN and, and with, with ESPN, Univision, and One World Sports, where we've done rebrandings. And, um, you know, I mean, these are, these are fun exercises because you learn a lot about the brand itself. You learn a lot about uh, how people perceive it, um, how people uh, want to perceive it. And so our, you know, the view in this particular instance was that we're, we're turning a new page. Um, you know, we've been, we have been what we've been for the last 20 years, and now we've got to set this thing up for the future. And and this brand is to speak to our our core demographics. You know, that that 12 to 20 and the 24 to 41, and that's what we're trying to do. I want to go back to the uh, the viewpoint for a minute. Uh, when you took over the league in February after what happened with Dave Gross and the whole the commissioner search and the data breach. What was, in your mind, the state of the league when you took over? Um, look, I think the I think the the league was ready for new leadership. Um, I think that, as I said earlier, the league has basically been operating 
been running in place for a number of, of years. And um, and look, I think with what we're seeing in the game in general and the growth of the sport and the, the level of interest in, in our game, um, you know, it, it needed a fresh a fresh approach. And um, and I was gratified to be able to have the role. I mean, listen, I, you know, as, I, as you guys have heard me say um, in the past, it's not every day that you get to go to work every day and really love what you do. And I, and I can't wait to get out of bed to get to the office and I strap them up every day. And, and I, I, you know, I, uh, I love the, the challenge and the opportunity to be able to deal with the issues that we've had in the past and try to be a change agent. And I think we've made change in a very short period of time, but we're just, we're just getting started. We've got so much to do. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, the changes, People have different perceptions about, you know, what they've seen thus far. But I think based upon what's happened in the last God knows how many years, they have been, been meaningful. And so we're going to continue to do that. But the other thing I will tell you is that, and I use this term a lot, but, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And the, and the things that we want to do in this league, it's going to be iterative, and we're going to do things intelligently and make the right decisions that we feel are in the interest of the league and our players and our partners. And, um, you know, we'll be very deliberate about how we do these things, but suffice it to say there, there will be a lot more change to come. I've said for this past year for when you took over that this would be more of like a, a kind of a sit back and watch period before you made any really big changes. And now you've made changes with the salary increase and the new, the rebrand and there's probably more coming, but was that in your mind your philosophy last season? What did you take away from just watching what you saw out of you know the marketing and the promotion and obviously the great action that's on the field, good and bad? Well, look, I think there wasn't a lot. Of, there wasn't a lot of marketing, and there wasn't a lot of promotion, and it wasn't. A, it wasn't a lot of coordination. I mean, look, I will tell you this: the one thing you have to keep in mind is is that we're an entertainment property. I think the action on the field speaks for itself. But at the end of the day, the bottom line for us is we run a business and it's about getting bumps and seats. So the action off the field has got to be better than what happens on the field. And that's a big, you know, that's a, that's a very important component of what we are, are to do. That's why we have the guys that come from the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NFL in these roles because they know how to do this stuff. Um, and it's not easy. It's, 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 you know, you go to any NBA game, an NFL game, Major League Baseball, there are all kinds of things that need to be done. And in our situation, I, I tell our presidents, you've got to have a minor league baseball mentality. And that's very important. And, and, uh, and we can't lose sight of the fact of, of, you know, where we need to get this thing. So, look, we, um, you know, we, we, we have a plan. We're executing on it. It's, we, we got to keep our eye on the ball. We come in every day, head down, tail up, and, um, and um, you know, do what we were hired to do. I want to go back to the rebrand as for one last thing before I go back to Dan. The image of, you know, the the the, uh, the new logo, the league logo, you know, and NLL and PLL have logos that really don't have a lot of, you know, that could be dated, you know, the old MLL logo was of Michael Watson and a silhouette, kind of like Jerry West in the NBA, but that was from the right. late 90s, and, you know, the helmet's been really, really outdated, yep. but what do you see in, for the new image of Major League Lacrosse? Well, that's an excellent point. I mean, you're absolutely right. It is outdated, and, and, and your analogy is exactly correct. Um, look, I think I think we have to, to remember... That what we have to speak to, to our core audience, and what at the end of the day is going to excite, you know, someone that's between 11 and 20. Um, what are they going to? How are they going to relate to to our sport? And what at the end of the day is going to be that aha moment that uh, is going to, um, you know, is going to get them excited. And so that that to me is really important. I. I have to think about this logo as not a, necessarily a logo that is capturing tradition. I need this to be a logo that's capturing the future. And that's the, to me, that is, um, you know, that's the, you know, principal component of what we're going to do with this thing. And it's got to have the right color schemes. And as you guys know, when you get in a creative shop, uh, you know, 
you let the creative guys um, do their thing, and they all come up with some great stuff. Uh, but it's, um, you know, it's it's a process, and it's a fun process. And you know, I think we've uh, I think we made a lot of headway in the last week, and we're you know we're going to narrow this thing down. Going to the color we'll scheme. We'll narrow this thing down. Going to the color What's scheme. That? Do you want to be? Do you want to be a little bit traditional, or you want to be a little bit more outside the box when you're thinking of a color scheme for the new logo? I, I look as I said, the whole the logo in general needs to be thought outside the box, um, and I can't tell you we're going to use the same colors we've used in the past. I mean, we're we're looking at all looking at a whole host of different different elements. And I got to tell you, you know, this is one of the great things about our league. You know, we have while we don't we're not full time, but we have guys that you know that work at WPP and come out of design shops, guys that are playing our league, and those are the kinds of opinions that I want. At the same time, they're also the opinions that reflect our audience. And that's and that's meaningful. That's why you get these guys involved to say, look, what is gonna what is gonna get you what's gonna get you excited? When you look at a logo, what excites you? And that's the kind that's the kind of feedback that, that we're you know that we're trying to get out of these out of these guys. As we look now, you know, we've talked about the rebrand and um, and stuff that's happened so far, and just sort of how that's going to endear the league to fans and and you know make the the brand more recognizable. Another thing that happened this week was you guys had a, a supplemental draft where you drafted a whole bunch of guys out of your player pool. Um, but you know, one of the things people noticed right away was, was that it was done really, really quietly. It seemed like there wasn't a whole lot out there in terms of of news about draft results. You know, players finding out they've been drafted um, from teams that hadn't drafted them. Some results weren't, you know, released right away, and it seemed like as it was going on, people were just like, "Oh my goodness, the supplemental draft's happening." Uh, is there is there a reason why the the draft seemed to happen as quietly as it did? Well, guys, look, I mean, I'm, I, you know, you weren't born yesterday. Um, we're, we're, look, we have to operate our our league and operate our business in the manner that we do. I can't, you know, I'm not going to go into a lot of, you know, discussion about why we do certain things, but. Um, you know, we did what we did. We locked down, a, a, you know, all hosts of players. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the article that came out at Inside Lacrosse the other day. And, you know, you look at that, it's a pretty good list. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm – and by the way, I'll, I'll say another thing. The guys on our list, those guys are signed. Okay? They're signed. So I don't know about what's going on anywhere else but those guys are signed and we're going to sign more players so we just keep doing what we're doing i mean i i'm look, i'm i feel like we're in a really good place right now um and we just have got to keep tackling the things that we said we were going to tackle when we presented our plan back in in august and um you know we we we've in this situation have probably had to pivot a little differently than we might have in other, you know, in, in other years, but it is what it is. And then there's a, there's a second supplemental draft as well happening uh, in 2019. Is there any more information about when we can expect that or, or anything, or, you know, if that's going to be formatted the same way? Uh, I don't have any information to give you on that right now. So, there's an elephant in the room. I think we can all admit that. Um, we won't reference him directly, but, you know, the, your argument that we've had was between the other league and this one is, you know, the ho- home base model and the touring model. Uh, there's nine markets. There's a lot of markets that don't have current franchises. So, you know, with that, how are you trying, how are you trying to get those fans from non-MLL markets to be attracted to MLL's players and their teams? Well, listen. Um, let me just say. Let me just say one thing. The bottom line here is that we recognize what's happened, um, and um, we. I, I think when I think about this, it's it's you know a rising tide lifts all boats. So what I'm interested in is the greater promotion which we need our our game needs. Um, and this situation has done just that. And so I, I'm gratified that we've, you know, it, it, it's 
raised the the profile of of MLL. It's raised the profile of the of the sport in general, and and that's a that's a good thing, and that's something that the sport does need. Um, look, we as you guys know, we have nine teams. We go as far west as Denver. Uh, we are as we have been in the past and continue to be in constant discussion with uh, those about, um, uh, you know, putting teams in, in different markets. But at the end of the day, it's also working with our partners to be able to activate. And, and I would tell you that part of my strategy, and I'm, this is not anything new, but, you know, we have, we have looked at uh, this 12-month marketing plan where, you know, we're doing and holding MLL events in markets where we don't have a presence. Um, and, you know, that's something that we, we laid out well before any of this other stuff happened. So, and we're going to continue to do that. And that's what we're, you know, that's what we're doing right now. We just hired a guy from the Detroit Pistons who's going to run all of our events. Um, you know, that's the kind of pedigree that we're, you know, we're bringing into the league and we're going to continue to. So it's, and you just mentioned this right now, everything has been upped in this, in the game of lacrosse and especially in the game of pro lacrosse. Uh, one thing that we already discussed was media coverage and, you know, the MLL has LSN and even a deal with ESPN Plus and was on ESPN recently last year, once again, on mainly on ESPN News. But, you know, there's always a linear ESPN 1 and ESPN 2. So in what ways are you looking for for the MLL to get back in some way on cable for a, a regular basis, whether it's even a national basis or working with, you know, the Chesapeake Bayhawks on NBC Sports Washington or with the Cannons on NBC Sports Boston or any other RSNs that do have teams in those markets? Well, look, our, our media strategy, and again, I'm not saying anything that's proprietary here. Our media strategy has been consistent across the board, which is a linear option, a digital option, an R RSN uh, element, and, you know, potentially a subscription option. So we have a relationship with Walt Disney Company and ESPN, um, and we have the only reason that the uh, the only reason that the All Star Game was not carried on ESPN two this year. And uh, Chris, I believe you're an ESPN employee, are you I not? Am College World Series. Yep. Okay, so you know the drill. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, be that as it may, um, uh, you know we got this, those things happen. So that's why we were on news to the All Star Game. Um, I, look, they, um, you know, I was a former employee there for a long time and, you know, got, you know, I'm happy that we have the relationship with them. I think they do the best job in covering the game of lacrosse and I think they will continue to do that. So I'm very gratified from that perspective. Um, we have a deal with them for ESPN plus. Yes. Um, and I think we'll, you know, continue to explore other, uh, you know, linear options as we as we go forward and ostensibly, um, uh, you know, with them. Um, in terms of our RSN deals, all of our teams have the ability to do RSN deals, so we'll look at doing more of those. Um, you know, the digital piece of it is very important, given the fact that, as you guys know, that 12 to 20 audience, 11 to 20 audience, they snack. They don't watch long-form content. So it's it's, it's creating short-form content um, that, at the end of the day, is going to resonate. It's going to be able to tell the stories that we haven't been telling. And, and I don't think, you know, we all know this league has not done a good job of, of executing on that. And we're in the process of hiring a digital team to go ahead and do that for us. Um, and I think that's going to be an important uh, component of it. You know, Amazon, Facebook, um, uh, YouTube. I mean, these are all conversations that are out there, but I think at the end of the day, we obviously need to have a balanced media approach for what we do with this league. And Lord knows we have enough content to be able to deliver, and we'll have more content as we create that content, uh, not only through us, but also through our partners. I want to quickly sidetrack. Uh, since we are, you were a former ESPN employee, I am a current ESPN employee. What's something? What's something you miss about campus up in Bristol? <laughs> well, I remember I was in uh, 
I was How many times have you have time. you been on campus? When many you're at times. ESPN? Okay. I, I miss I miss I miss Bernard Stewart's smiling face Ooh. every time I used to go up there. <laughs> you probably don't even know who Bernard Stewart is. I do not. Okay, well, go back and you ask, and we'll tell you. Um, uh, but um, no, it's always fun. It's always fun going up there, and uh, and I do get get a chance to catch up with a lot of people. Although a lot of my colleagues have you know have departed and continue to depart, but that's you know it's just the way of the world, you know. Yep, that's a business. So looking a little bit now, uh, you know, back to the MLL and everything and, and just plans for the immediate future as part of things that we can expect in the rebrand, what can fans expect to see between now, you know, and, and June one, like, are we going to, are we going to start seeing uh, logos and the, and the new website before this season starts? Is this stuff going to roll out all at once? Or are we going to get it sort of teased over time? What's the, the league's approach between now and the start of the season to really get people pumped? I, I listen. I mean, we're we are still going through all the treatments right now. Uh, you know, we have a whole host of things that we're looking at, um, and um, you know, we, we, there absolutely will be something for everybody to see before the season starts. Um, and we we made a lot of good progress in a short period of time, um, but it's it's um, uh, you know it's a process um, in terms of the website. Uh, we have just finished interviewing four different entities to help revamp the entire website. Um, and coincident with the rebrand, uh, we'll, you know, obviously we'll make sure everything is, is synced up. And then obviously, as I mentioned earlier, we'll have, uh, you know, we'll obviously have a digital team um, that will uh, hopefully be on staff, at least the person running that uh, part of our business on staff before the end of the year. So, you know, things, as I keep saying, things take time, but we're on track. You know, we're, we have a plan and we're executing on the plan. And, and obviously, um, you know, the other, the other part of it is, is, is working on our game day experience. And I think that's just as important as anything else. The rebrand, the website, all that stuff's great. But, but we need our teams to be in a position where, they're providing the best possible entertainment experience at each of our games they possibly can. And, you know, that's another area that we need a lot of work in. Some teams do it better than others, and we need consistency. Mm-hmm. And now the league also, you guys, you know, part of that, I think, part of guaranteeing that that special game day experience and that entertainment, whether it be the game or there are other things, you know, is sometimes this fan interaction with players. And, and the MLL definitely still has plenty of star power. The league MVP is is still playing in the MLL. So, you know, is, is there an effort, you know, to try and make sure that, number one, you're attracting still the brightest stars that are in the college game now, and then also securing those guys who have been sort of the standard bearer players who are still with the league? Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, we're, we're all about trying to provide the best possible uh, experience for our players and for our fans and, and I think that, you know, we do offer a complete uh, experience, maybe not what has been, ha- what has been offered in previous years. Um, and I think, you know, obviously this is an area, as you guys know, that we needed to improve. And I think we've, we've done that. And we will continue to do that because I think we have a lot of work to do in that area. But, um, look, we, um, we have some, some well-capitalized owners that, um, you know, are very intent on seeing the success of this league. And I think all of the statistics that, that come out, um, you know, reinforce the point that we're in the right place. And, and I will tell you the other thing, which I think is very important, is, is that this, this demo, this, you know, that is a, our sweet spot. I mean, we hit it right between the eyes. So, you know, we're, we'd be missing a huge opportunity if we didn't if we didn't put our best foot forward on that. Going to the long term, I know you're focusing on the immediate future and the rebrand and all that stuff and getting ready to show off what you've called ML 2.0. But you know, how will the league try to attract the brightest lacrosse stars that are currently in the college ranks, specifically the seniors of Pat Spencer, Ryder Garnsey, a few other seniors? But you also are also already got, I think, one of the the more underlying points was Ohio getting Austin Stotts, 
who was supposed to play at least two years of college in the NCAAs. But, you know, if you want to see Austin Stotts, MLL's your place. Well, look, we have owners that, you know, that, that take care of their players. And and obviously players have an affinity, that, you know, towards a team and towards a community. And, look, we have a community-based model, as you guys know. And, um, you know, ultimately we have to be able to take care of our players. And we got to be able to, you know, the players need to know that, that they are being taken care of. And they're, they're, you know, look, I have no, there's no question in my mind about the competition. Um, but we've got, we have got some very, very competitive guys in our league. Um, and, and as you guys know, it's true in any league, you know, you players come in and they, they go out, they wash, they wash out after, you know, some period of time because they either want to stop playing or they get too old or they age out or, you know, their vocations, you know, don't allow them to do it. And that's just the nature of the beast right now. You know, I, I, I hope in my lifetime that we're in a situation where players don't have to do anything else, but we're not there yet. So I look, I think it, I think it's a complete package. It's, it's not just the money we put on the table. It's, it's what we provide in terms of the, the whole uh, ethos of each one of these, each one of our teams, um, you know, their involvement in the community, um, their, their, the ability for us to be able to, um, to market them, uh, to, to provide greater exposure for them. Uh, you know, it's, there are many, many different factors. So, you know, it's, um, and, and, and listen, at the end of the day, in the current environment, we got to have a better mousetrap. And that's on us. We and all, I know... We all, those of us that played this game, you know, we compete. We know how to compete. And so we just, we've got to do things better. You mentioned with the, uh, keeping the, with the, uh, the short-term amount of the players that they have, you know, some of them are going to be older and some retiring. Are you looking at ways to, and you had this earlier this year with the Rookie Symposium and a lot of, you know, career-building events before the All-Star game, before the MLL title game. Are you looking at finding ways to keep some of these players, you know, in different roles in the MLL, whether it's front office, coaching, yes, even commentary? Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, one of the things I'll tell you is that is, look, I, I held a conference call with a with a whole bunch of players before a championship game, and one of the comments that came back to me was, "Look, we we leave the the MLL, and that's the that's the last anybody ever hears of us, and that's just not that's not right." And so we um uh we are going to announce surely uh, an effort on our part to be able to do a lot more with our alumni and bring them back into the fold. Um, I listen. I would like to have. ML alumni in the league office. I mean, you look at any of the other major leagues, whether it's the NBA, whether it's um, Major League Baseball, the NFL, they've all got former players that are in various roles in that league. And in our situation, we have we have that uh, with some of our teams. So this is a natural, it's a natural progression. It creates a great, uh, a significant amount of continuity. Um, and it's just, um, you know, it's something that we as a league have been missing, and it and it's something that needs to be uh, needs to be addressed, and it is being addressed. And I I believe just going back a little bit more of a long term thing, but the uh, I think part of the MLL 2.0 plan, as it were, included, you know, maybe the possibility of expansion. Uh, is that sometimes something we're we're still on the table for the MLL? Is being in some new markets or adding new teams? Yeah, that's that. I mentioned that earlier. Yes, I mean, yeah. of course. Yes, absolutely. All righty, uh, Commissioner Brown. We thank you for your time. I know you have got a busy, busy plate on your hands, and you've had some for uh, uh, the past few weeks. So we definitely appreciate your time, and we hope to have you on. You know, maybe after things die down a little bit, if they. If they even do, for uh, uh, well, I, I don't think they will. I don't. I don't think they will die down, and that's a good thing. It's it's good to be busy, and we have a lot to do, and um, you know, and and I'm excited. I I really am. I I'm more excited now than even with everything else going on than you know when I took the job, uh, because I just I know the runway is here. Um, the people have been great. I love our players. Um, you know, it's 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 it's. It's a joy to be able to go in and 
and talk to potential sponsors about our guys and what they bring to the table and um you know that that makes it all worthwhile so anyway i appreciate your interest and i appreciate you you know what you guys are doing and uh um you know you guys have been you know provided fair and balanced reporting on all this stuff and uh you know again i'm uh, i'm grateful for that no problem commissioner brown all thank right. you again thank you thanks, again guys. for some time tonight commissioner not at all thanks guys and that was commissioner sandy brown and we again appreciate his time uh spending a little bit of his wednesday night talking to us uh dan your thoughts on what he said yeah you know i think we got a lot of good stuff there from the commissioner um he was he was definitely honest with us about you know where the MLL is right now and and their plan going forward and sort of how it's been impacted by uh, you know a new competitor on the scene in the in the PLL and you know it's sort of a mass defection of players so um, it sounds like he's still feeling really positive about the idea of a rebrand and you know some of the other things we saw but um, you know I think he's now keenly aware of of just how much work he has to do. Yeah, and I mean, you got. I mean, if you're the leader of the MLL, you have to be a little bit positive about what's going on, and the fact that I think, to be quite honest, the PLL, the start of the PLL came at a bad time for him. You know, just just settling in with the MLL, and you know, having some promise of change, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, that much work, and it's going to be you have another challenge up on your hands. But I think he can be able to at least you know get some kind of traction going on a little bit. One thing I was a little bit uh interesting to me that from what he said was about the digital platforms and the digital team and you know if i work at espn and as he pointed out that i do work at espn um <laughs> digital's big let's let's face it i mean some people don't have cable some people you know watch tv off streaming there's facebook there's twitter there's social media there's youtube there's a bunch of digital platforms out there and the mll hasn't really you know hit the nail on that unlike the PLL which has you know gone a lot through Twitter and Instagram and for the past few weeks and they're trying to get a lot of YouTube uh the MLL needs to get on top of that and I think digital the digital service that they might offer they said uh Brown actually mentioned a possible subscription service uh which I have a lot of thoughts about that which you know what as in what that could be could that be where all the games are held outside of you know LSN because Last year, all the games on LSN and, and it were free, and LSN is now a free platform, and you're going to be losing money if you're the MLL. Are you going to be going away from that, or are you going to use that as one platform and ESPN Plus, and then use your four kind of like what you know the PLL is doing with with their little taste? But I think the big thing is you got to get your fans, and you got to get that little nine to twenty-one or ten to twenty-year-old market. Uh, I think you should at least try to get a little bit more of that upper echelon market as well, because at least some of the guys that you know are in college, like for example, I'm 22 years old. I know Sergio Salcedo. I know Kevin Rice. I know a lot of these guys, even Brendan Bomberry and Evan Malloy that are in uh, the MLL right now with the Ohio Machine. I know these guys, and you know, I, I might I might want to see how they're doing in the league with you know Tim Barber and Nick Mariano and Ben Williams. All I went to these I went to college with these guys, so. It would yeah. be nice to at least see what's going on and what they're doing. Um, and I think another big thing is stats. And they have not been that good with stats recently. And I think a big thing is if you want a lot of more media coverage and at least a little bit better media coverage where we can maybe do some stuff, uh, stats might help a little bit. You know, record how many ground balls person ha- X person has, how many cost turnovers or shot percentage or whatever. And Joe Keegan does a hell of a job with that when he he's, when yeah. he's at Moneyball. I was about to say, Joe Keegan is, is like, you know, the gold standard for that, where he's not just picking up ground balls. He's doing, you know, analytics and advanced stat stuff that is driving a lot of analysis, not just in, you know, lacrosse and all the sports. People want those advanced stats and those advanced analytics to get to the bottom of what's going on out there. But, you know, with the digital stuff, it's really just – at the core of it is you got to get your product in front of these people's eyes. You got to get people watching stuff. And I think something that the MLL, you know, maybe we didn't hear that much from commissioner Brown about, but you have to be better about engaging the players as part of that. You know, the, the star players in lacrosse, a lot of them have these social media followings or these YouTube channels or whatever that are out there all the time. And they sort of, you know, you have, you have to fold your brand into that. You know, you, whether it's a guy like, you know, like Scotty Rogers on, on Instagram is up there, 
all day doing either workout stuff or coaching stuff or, or you know, whatever, just being doing funny. both like, at the same time because he's at workout. Yeah. Now. Like, you know, there's, there's personalities like his that are larger than life, that are all about lacrosse, that are all about, you know, growing the sport. You need to leverage that as part of your league somehow. Like, you need to get, you know, players like that to be out there wearing your LMLL stuff and talking about, you know, at the end of their video that they just put on YouTube on their channel that they're going to be playing, their team's playing the Bayhawks this weekend or whatever. Come out to see the game. Like, you just need to, that's a that's an asset that the MLL still needs to just have, maybe it hasn't tapped into as much. Maybe they are going to. I don't know. I didn't hear that much of that, you know, while we were talking to the commissioner, but the players are, are so important to making the league successful because that's who sells the tickets, you know? So like, if you're the MLL right now, you got to be telling Rob Pinnell to be plugging the MLL every chance you can, right? Or Lyle Thompson, mm-hmm. these guys who are going to be the big stars of the league, you got to get them out there repping the MLL and putting that on their social media channels and, and all that stuff so that people can, you know, have this product in front of them all the time. If they're not watching LSN or wherever else that the MLL is typically seen. And I think another big thing we mentioned just this was the players, uh, their personalities. Like, you know, I think I, the NBA and the NFL are like the two, they're the two highest, you know, or they're, they're the two highest leagues in America, right? You have their personalities yeah. help NBA Twitter. You know, you see Joel Embiid dominate Andre Drummond in a game, and then he's tw- and he's putting Instagram photos about him, and he's putting an Instagram story just of him dancing, and it's just hilarious and you don't even see that coming yeah i don't expect i don't i don't expect lacrosse players to be like that but i also don't expect lacrosse players to be like nhl players who barely have any kind of personality outside of what they do on the ice so you got to find that maybe that mixture of you know you're active but not like insanely active where like you're trashing like your opponent but you know i'm fine (laughs) with it i'm fine with it because it's really great comedy but they also have the cleats they also have uh, customized cleats, and they have, like, different cleats each week, some of these guys, or different uh, sneakers on the court. They are expressing their personalities. We need to see a little bit more of that personality yeah, outside I, of... And I think I think the, the demo game. that we're talking about is into that. Like, yeah. the demo that they're, that they're into, that they're trying to target, is into the idea of Joel Embiid tweeting at Andre Drummond that he's got real estate in his brain or whatever. Like, yeah. they, that's, that's what they like. They engage with that. Like, you got to you got to be willing to sort of take some of that on and encourage your players. Maybe you just get out there a little bit if that's in their personality. Like, don't don't restrain that. Don't repress these players from doing stuff that's funny or interactive or that gets people talking. Like, that's what you want to get that buzz building, especially for a growing league. Yeah. Uh, I think also, I think maybe some of the messages that some of these players are, you know, a little bit different. Like, I, I, I think there's a little too much lacrosse involved in, if you get what I'm saying. Like, I think we need to see more of their personality that doesn't involve lacrosse. Like, I think yeah. there's a little bit more of that, you know, the grow the game thing, which honestly, I'm not that big of a fan of that slogan, and I get the message of it, but I think there's too much of that going on, and we're trying to get the game, you know, expanding across the country and going to the Olympics. I think we just need to see the players, you know, what they do outside of lacrosse, outside of even just working out. Like, you see Joel Embiid, like, just going to uh, Philly events in the summer. It's called Sips, and it's Wednesday night, and there's a lot of, you know, young professionals out there, and then all of a sudden Joel Embiid's out there, and he's Euro-stepping uh, women dressed up. <laughs> like, y- you need to see some some kind of, like, fun personalities that, like, you know, maybe, like, have, like, a poll about, like, you know, In-N-Out Burger, uh, you know, food review kind of thing. Like, like let's say... I don't know. Let's go with Rob Pinnell, right? Rob Pinnell going on road trips, taste going out to uh, reviewing Chipotle, I guess. Which Chipotle makes the best quesaritos? And then give them on a <laughs> 10 star, five star scale. Something like yeah. that, you know? Something creative. Where, like, it could be a fun series kind of thing. And, like, you just get. And I know a lot of these players are hiring personal uh, videographers. Rabel does it with Brett. Uh, Brett. Uh, Brett, Michael, Brett Roberts. Brett Roberts. I almost called him Brett Michaels. <laughs> Brett Michaels. <poison> singer. <laughs> Talk dirty with me. Um, yeah. I mean, you could use some of that, but also like just get like some cool ideas. And, you know, we were, we were literally just getting this done at an ESPN uh, meeting I was in. Making a pitch and envisioning some of these things. And it doesn't even mean creating some things on your own. It could also just be stealing some of these ideas from 
what you see on, you know, ESPN telecasts or Fox telecasts. Like, you know, we're trying to do something with uh, college across this year, and I got an example of it from watching the Pelicans game in a drive-by interview, and I think you know where we're going yeah. with that, but just a revamped version of what we're doing. Um, you know, it's easy to come up with ideas, and I think, you know, coming up with, the, with those ideas are easy. It's just executing them and making sure they get out there so that people can see them. Yeah. And then, you know, just back to the what we were talking about with, with Commissioner Brown and everything. One thing where he did kind of sort of, uh, you know, get a little short was the, the supplemental draft that just happened when we sort of asked, you know, like, what what happened there? Why was it done, like, in secret? Why did nobody know it was happening? Why did players find out so strangely? Why were results, you know, I don't think results have even been announced by some teams or some teams still haven't said this is who we drafted. Or Yeah, you know. I think – Ohio um, was doing. You know, it's, it's, Ohio's doing like they're in, they're releasing players slowly at a time. There's some pl- teams that are doing it slowly at a time. Boston did it right away. I don't think the Lizards have done it immediately either. I think. I I don't, I don't really, think I don't, I don't know really if know, said, maybe it has, and I'm just not you know I, I just didn't see it. And the thing is with that is like you know I I sent an email to a few of the uh, the team media coordinators and there's like a few of them but there's like a half of them that don't even have a media coordinator listed on their site or an email that works or whatever. And it's just, there's a lot of organization that needs to be worked on. And I think, and I yeah. told, and I told this to, you know, one of the league reps or someone that, that uh, does stuff for the MLL. And I said, like, you know, you might need to, I'd recommend you get like contacts for all the MLL teams up on their, at least team sites so that people that have like media inquiries can send those along instead of, you know, finding a way to, go through the league office and go through them. It just makes things a lot easier. Yeah. And Sandy did kind of talk about that a little bit about trying to have a more robust front office and, and, you know, just a better organized league and all that. And, you know, and like you, that was a good, you know, question from you was, you know, trying to fold back in guys who are, you know, retired MLL players or guys who have moved on from the sport, um, keeping them, you know, around in front office roles, whether it be with the team or the league as a whole, or, you know, in some capacity, because those are guys that obviously, you know, care about the sport. They played at the professional level for as long as they did. So yeah, and you see a lot of know, them with, you know, NFL. Troy Vincent's Vincent's working with the league. Ozzie Newsom, who's going to be retiring this year, is the GM of the uh, the Ravens. There's a lot yeah. of these guys out there. Drew Staley's that running backs coach for the Eagles. You want to go to basketball? Mo Cheeks was an was a is an assistant coach right now. He was a head coach. Doug Collins was a head coach. There's examples everywhere, and I think you know life shouldn't stop after playing, right? You should be involved somehow, even have an alumni association, like an MLL alumni association, where you're honoring some of the past greats, you know, keeping their legacy alive, making sure people know about Doug Knight, because let's let's face it, these 10 to 20 year olds might not have seen Doug Knight, might not even know who Doug Knight is, might not know who Michael Watson is. I didn't even know who Michael Watson <laughs> yeah. was or that uh, yeah. who it was with the silhouette logo until doing research today. And by the way, good job for Sandy Brown for doing research on the fact that I work at ESPN. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a big thing. It's just, you know, educating some of the younger people. Like, I'm a big history buff. There's definitely some lacrosse fans that love history and love the past. Get them, let us show some Tom Marichek highlights. Let us show some John Grant Jr. highlights. You know, there's yeah. a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of, of video at their disposal, which they could easily use and, they just need to get contacts back together and build a relationship with some of these guys. And, yeah. you know, they have, and they try to do that with the, uh, the Lake Placid showcase every year up in Lake Placid. And I think that's like two, three years old now, if I'm correct or something like that. But, you know, seeing Sean Natalin and seeing Gary Gate and seeing Rick Beardsley play is great. Um, but maybe even do more of that, like have like a lizard Snyder, maybe even have, you know, one of the great lizards have their numbers retired or Bayhawks retired. Makes sense. Yeah. Just keep that tradition alive because I think there's a big void with that tradition and you're looking for the future and that's great, but you also have to recognize there's a past. And a lot of franchise, yeah. actually, matter of fact, every franchise in the four major leagues, MLS included as well, and even the NLL, which is in their own little lockout situation, does that. Yeah. you need, And even colleges well, too. Like, they love... Yeah. They're all they love their alumni, uh, mainly because of money, but also because they help them get money too. Um, that's not the point, but 
Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a shame that you didn't know or get to watch Michael Watson because boy, did you miss a fun player. But we were talking with Sandy about the logo, and you know, if you did, if anybody's listening didn't know it, the MLL logo, the silhouette is Michael Watson, and Michael Watson is a guy who is, you know, like Jerry West is still the NBA's logo. But the problem with the MLL's logo is he's, you can tell he's wearing a helmet from 20 years ago. And like lacrosse players, the way the MLL guy looks, they just don't look like that as much anymore. So like, I don't know if you can keep a silhouette of Michael Watson, like he's good enough to be a logo, but you got to update it just so it looks, it's, it's just, it's a logo for 2018 and not, you know, 1998 or whatever. So just, it's, I think he's on the right track with that talking about the rebrand of, of, and, you know, like you were just saying, you you got to respect the history. You have to honor that. That's got to be there. And there's a way to do that, um, whether it's in the logo or in other aspects at the club level, at the league level, however they choose to do it. But, you know, I I, I kind of wish we found out a little bit more from him or he was a little more forthcoming with, with some of the rebrand stuff about what we can expect to see before the the season starts. Um, it sounds like they're still very much, you know, in early in stages. The, yeah, they're they're still, it sounds like they're very they're still early just, on hearing pitches, meeting with agencies, you know, you know, meeting with a, a group of, or, you know, several different whoever's to try and figure out who's going to redesign the website. So we must be pretty far off, you would imagine, from actually having something that we can expect to see, you know, anytime soon. But, um, you know, it is it is progress in them. And, you know, like you had said at the beginning, you know, I, is it Sandy, you, you kind of feel for him a little bit in the job because he came into it and, you know, he is, he is still new at the job, but he's making, like, this is positive strides for this league. Um, you just get the feeling that he sort of walked into a situation where uh, players had sort of already gotten to the point where they were like, enough is enough. And, you know, you wonder what else Sandy could have done to maybe prevent this sort of uh, the, the PLL split off or whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, I, I think he's doing he's doing the right things. Like the the changes he's making are all positive. They're all the kind of things that fans will want to see. They're all the kind of things that you know can can help make players happy. You know the salary cap increase, which is to me still maybe a little strange. He said the league minimum has gone up, um, but you know if the league minimum has gone up to the point where a 51% increase still means the guy is making less than 10k a season, then we still got a lot of work to do. You know if you want to get to a point where players are going to be really excited about playing there. So, you know. There's, there, it's progress, but it's slow progress, and it sounds like it's very, very early stages. Early stages, so and we'll see what else he has before June one rolls around. Definitely. Uh, any final thoughts you have? You know, I'm happy. I'm really happy we got to talk to him. I know. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I wrote an op-ed for College Cross last week, sort of after the the week, the first week of PLL had happened, about how the MLL. I thought had dropped the ball with the supplemental draft that was all quiet and with, you know, just some sort of mixed messages from, from league league offices. And it seemed like they were just disorganized and chickens with their heads cut off in the wake of this announcement that they kind of knew was coming. But, um, you know, I'm happy Sandy came on to sort of talk to us about where they are, where he sees them going, what his vision is, what the goals are, and, you know, whether or not I think that they're attainable or that they're, you know, they're things that they need to be moving towards faster. You know, that's a different conversation, but I think it was great for Sandy to come on and just lay it all out for us, where the MLL's going in his mind, what he's got planned, you know, and when we can expect to see stuff. I agree. And look, I still think they kind of dropped the ball a little bit on the supplemental draft, at least just releasing the results as a league instead of having nine individual teams release it themselves at different times and we're still looking for and gathering results of what happened but luckily inside lacrosse did release him i think uh, about a week ago a little bit over a week and a half ago um yeah. but that should be from the league itself and you shouldn't have people like myself people like pat gregoire of others even like philly faceoff academy there were even teams charlotte hounds tw- retweeted a uh, a selection before the league actually announced something on monday that Monday yeah. about it. And it, again, it just goes back to communication. And I think as a league, you should be the forefront of that, whether it's releasing news, giving people news and not giving out to another site and not giving out to uh, others that are on your media list, which we just got actually in the middle of our interview with Sandy Brown. You know, they, ha- they, they, sh- they're starting to make, I think they're starting to recognize some of their mistakes. I do see a lot of a, a, a better future ahead. And I hope for, 
the sake of pro lacrosse that maybe we do have some two leagues going at it for a few years before maybe a change happens. We'll see. Yeah, you know, as a as a lacrosse fan, a guy who loves lacrosse and will consume it in any way I can, anytime it's around, I would love it if there were two really good pro lacrosse leagues that I could just watch all summer. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for, for both of these leagues to succeed. And with that, that does it for another edition of Across College Lacrosse. Once again, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on uh, SoundCloud, Google Play. Not yet. Still have to work on that. Uh, again, it's a pain. I mean, Dane, I don't think you've... I don't. Have you ever done a podcast and tried to put it on a Google Play? No. Yeah, it's it's. Leave tough. that up to you guys. Yep. It's above my pig right now. That's, that's not me. Um, but <laughs> we've got that. We've got a few other places. I think Stitcher's on there. Tune in, whatever. Uh, subscribe, and we hope to maybe go back to college lacrosse uh, very, very soon. Uh, for Dana Resti, I'm Chris Ostromsky. Enjoy your Thanksgiving if we don't hear back from you in the next three weeks. And, you know, you know, turkeys make you a little bit tired uh, with the dopamine. Uh, but still, stay hydrated out there, everybody. Bye, Felicia.